Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostou. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another Q&A on Life With Your Dog podcast. Thanks for joining us for another episode. Hope everyone's been enjoying the content so far. If there's any questions, please hit us up through Instagram, Facebook, um, and through our website as well, lifewithyourdogpodcast.com. So the question here today is tips for looking after a friend's dog over Christmas. A lot of dogs are going to be looking after by... Um, all the boarding kennels are full, by the way. So if you're thinking about going on a last minute trip, a friend's going to probably have to look after your dog. I'll talk a little bit about what I think about friends looking after your dog in regards to thinking about how experienced they are. So look, if you're the person looking after the dog, well, then think about this for yourself. Or if you're going to ask a friend to look after your dog, think about these things. Are they experienced? Are they responsible people? Um, how are their dogs? And and things like that. If their dog's out of control and they can't follow their their own, or if they seem to get into situations like escaping out of the house and chewing up everything, then is that first of all somewhere where someone you want to be looking after your dog? But also think about the dog's your dog's behaviour and how it's going to be influenced for when it comes back. So the first thing that you want to consider is making sure that you have the right space. So the right space for looking after someone's dog, even if you don't have someone else doesn't have a dog and they're looking after the dog or if it's your parents, whatever, is that think about things like the actual space, being in an apartment, if you have a small dog and your dog knows how to, I guess, toilet trained and housebroken, so doesn't know how, like knows not to destroy the yard and things like that, destroy furniture, sorry, um, carpet, peeing in the different areas, barking issues, things like that. So think about the space of where your dog's going to be. And if there's like adequate fencing, for example, if you have a dog that you know can jump high, like a lot of bigger breeds, a lot of bully breeds, they they can jump big fences. Uh, I've heard and seen staffies, for example, jumping a six-foot fence. So I'm saying six-foot fence is generally a good, adequate containment for a dog. But just think about not only how high is the fence, but also can the dog escape under the fence. So what I think about or what I give advice in regards to adequate fencing underneath is that you dig a trench under the under the fences and you put like a tipper sleeper which is normally about like 20 centimeters thick or so and you put them under there and put that around the whole area of your fence so that way there if a dog decides to dig they have to dig really deep also like thinking about pavers putting pavers along the side of the fencing so that way their dogs find it harder to dig so think about these things if you know your dog is going to escape and is stressed by being in a new place well then maybe you need to consider these things or even doing it for yourself as well so we used to look after dogs from time to time and the first thing that I did when I came in is that we put double fences double gates sorry in our driveway so that way there it took two gates to be open for a dog to escape where if there's one it's only 100% of the time when that door's open a dog can run through we also, I also made sure that under all the fence lines, everything was like I put real thick timber sleepers. So a dog hasn't even attempted to escape, but if they do, they have to dig really deep to get under. Or, and there's certain places where there's pavers along the fence line. So just making sure all these things are in place at my place. So if you're 
professionally looking after people's dogs or you do it more frequently. I put a massy, I put, I put a pool fence halfway through my yard and that way there, when I was looking after, let's say if I had three big dogs and two small dogs or whatever, there was like a different dynamic on the day, then I would have the bigger dogs or the more higher energy dogs that could um, play all day on one side and then normally the smaller dogs on the other side. So, you know, obviously if you have all small dogs, like four small dogs, then maybe two of them are a bit older and the other two want to play all day. So you can kind of separate them. It gives you that good management. And now obviously that's to extremes if you're just an everyday dog owner looking after just your friend's dog. You may want, not want to do that, but you may want to have a, a separate place where you can put the dog if, well, let's say, one of the dogs injured themselves or they need to be separated just because it's getting too much. Like you have a friend's younger dog and you have an older dog and they don't know how to be contained. So having that, um, if the dog that you're looking after is crate trained, it's even better, then make sure the crate is at your property. So over night time, the dog goes into the, his crate or her crate um, away from everyone else or next to the other dogs if your dogs are crated as well and that way there then it gives them a good space so one of my friend's dogs I was looking after her dog was crate trained been crate trained for like a year and a half and she was about a year and a half old during the day she'd play all day with the dogs and hang out all is good nighttime open the crate sent her in she stayed there for you know the, the eight hours I was asleep I woke up sent her out no all good no toilet training issues no barking no separation related and she was in good ma- uh, management I was looking after the dog for about two weeks so think about two weeks of being away from home you want to be able to keep up the same sort of um, training as well especially for younger dogs if it's like a friend's puppy and um, maybe you want to even consider crate training that dog then I think that's a really good way of mate mate maintaining everybody's energy levels and good management especially dogs can kind of get over each other after now look not all the time some dogs can be with each other and they play and all is good they sleep and they know how to rest and they complement each other all good and just making sure all doors are closed at all times if you're looking after your friend's dog and your dog was to escape like that dog was to escape and then get hit by a car or some sort of accident that would be really bad. So just make sure that you all your your screen doors or all your gates have automatic hinge hinges on them, so they automatically close when you're not holding it open. I think that's really important. Making sure that the dogs that are coming are all familiar with each other, or you're familiar with the dogs. When I was looking after dogs um, from time to time at my house. Clients' dogs were allowed to stay because I knew the dog and I would be able to think about the dogs that were staying and I had a good understanding of the dynamic. If it was a dog that I haven't met before, they would have to come for a few hours so I can screen or even for the day. I screen that dog and see how they go. I make sure the owners or um, the people that own the dog are with me because if they come and then there's automatically a very reactive or a very aggressive reaction and doesn't settle or you can just tell that it's just not going to work, then you just tell them straight up it's just not going to work. Um, I think that's important if you're not like a big boarding facility or a kennel that's taken like it's a full-time um, thing that everyone's looking after dogs. You've got kennels, you've got different sections. That doesn't apply to you. But if you're from home, you know, you're limited with your space. So, you know, make sure that dogs aren't going to be attacking each other or being too stressed and things like that. And if it's your friend's dog, then make sure that you meet up from time to time. You know, go for a walk with the dog and your dog so they get to know each other or they've already known each other. If you feel that it's too much and that your dog's going to be disadvantaged from you looking after your friend's dog, then it's probably not a good idea and leave it to the professionals. If they do get along, but throughout the time that you're looking after them, they don't 
you know, there's gonna, there should be times for break, well, then that's why you want to have that backup where you can. So in my house, for example, I've got that fence line. So there's some dogs, for example, that I was, let's say they were puppies, they were five months old and they're playing, playing, playing. There was going to be a time where I gave them some downtime and separation for the puppy not to get overworked because that's where the dogs get injured and they're just in the heat. They just get heat exhausted and things like that. But also it's good for your dogs, especially like, for example, Spades, he's, he's nine years old now. And let's just say he was being annoyed by a puppy all day. That'd be really unfair. So it's good that you have that, that um, opportunity to separate them. When you are looking after your friend's dog, you must be walking every day. Walk every day with the, with the dog so you drain their energy in a constructive way. You know, we talk about loose lead walking, structured walk, you know, follow that. Um, in that episode that we talked about, the 20-20-20 rule, definitely be doing that. Because as much as the dogs are playing all day, yes, they're getting exercise, they're running, of course. But you need to give them some structure in amongst all of that. If you have no structure of your walks and your, your training activities or different things, then it's just going to get too overwhelming and the energy is going to start rising up. It's going to be like the Tasmanian devils come to the backyard. So the dogs can play and hang out during the day, but still give them their walk. They need that mental stimulation, giving them that job. Very, very important. When we're looking after dogs here, every day they're going for walks, even though they're playing all day. Very important. And if you listen to a podcast like ours, well, then you're more in more inclined to be doing training so do a training session with that dog take him away from the pack or from your dog and do a little training session get some food practice luring sits and down and calm in bed you know just stimulate them it's good for them to get this extra um activity from you and also you're going to get a lot of respect from that dog the dog's going to be more likely to listen to you if you're doing the training um with 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 the dog there and if you're considering, for example, taking your dog to a boarding facility and the dog is being boarded, I recommend, so for example, I recommend Pet Resorts Australia and I used to work out there. I know how they run and they got a, an awesome setup, even though they're a kennel and a lot of people have bad um, connotations with a kennel, but um, kennels are great as long as the staff are doing the right thing and they're all doing an awesome job down there. And they're multi-dog kennels, so dogs have to play with each other through the, during the day and over the night time. So if they're appropriately um, set up and socialized, it's all good. And then you can pay the extra for the dogs to get trained. I recommend doing that as well if you are having your dog at a boarding facility is that they're not just getting the extra training that you're going to benefit from, but they're getting that extra stimulation from from the staff there. And I think that's really good for them to get a break from the other dogs, do this mental stimulation for about five to 10 minutes, and they do that multiple times a day. And that way there, it's just ticking all the boxes so good. So if you're looking after a friend's dog, I, I suggest you do that. You The dog's going to be more responsive to you. This is very, very important. And, you know, and a next point here that I've written down here is that think about that dog's separation distress. Does it have separation distress? Will you leave in the backyard and that dog's barking for five hours in your backyard while you're at work going to be a problem for you and your neighbors? So you should probably give it a trial. If you're going to look after the, your friend's dog for more than one night, you should definitely do a trial and see how it's going to go. Because especially if you're not equipped and you're not experienced to deal with a dog with separation anxiety or separation distress, then you're going to find it very hard. <laughs> you're going to be regretting um, looking after your friend's dog. So definitely think about that. And we talked about having that separate space. Give the dogs a, a chance to be on their own from time to time if you need to, and you want to test that out as well before. When it comes to feeding, just make sure that if you're, especially if you're not going to be long-term, 
looking after this dog, just feed the dog separately and just make sure there's no issues. If you're looking after your friend's dog and you put the dog's bowls together and they go to swap and try to eat from each other and you have a dog fight, my God, that could have easily been avoided if you just feed them in separate areas. You don't need them to learn to eat with each other if you're only looking after the dog for a week or over a weekend. So if there's any bones or long-lasting treats involved, again, do that separately. Don't let them share those sort of resources because for two reasons. If one dog eats too much food, then we've got other issues like the dog will get sick or we get bloat and different things, but also you're not ma- managing what they're eating if the dog has an allergies or things like that. So just feed them separately. If you haven't got two areas, which you probably should anyway, in one room or the other room, then make sure when you're feeding them, you're there in between each other. But I wouldn't even recommend that because you, unless you're experienced, you're going to start messing around with dogs trying to chase them around the place. So feed in separate areas. Or back time. Have one dog tied up to a post, another one to another post. Let, let them eat. Take the bowls away. Unclip them. Happy days. Make sure that you understand if the dog has any medical issues. So ask the owner. You know, has there any been, has there any been, anything been outstanding, like allergies or, you know, needs to take medication or anything that's happened like recently? Has a dog had like any physical injuries? Because it's just good for you to know these things. And of course, maybe even have like you know, the, um, the dog's vet's details. So there's at least there's a history of the dog at, at their, um, at the owner's vet. So definitely recommend that and of course if it is going to be over time over christmas that you're looking after your dog your friend's dog well you know new year's is new year's eve is just around the corner and everyone's lighting up fireworks so this is another thing very hard to remedy a dog that has um a phobia towards thunderstorms and fireworks sorry both have the same effect that the dog freaks out the dog tries to escape the dog's very nervous um, excessive panting is destructive behavior may destroy the house and may bark all night so you want to make sure that you have some systems in place or you're aware that if the dog has any of these issues. I heard of a situation where a dog had such a bad firework phobia that they had to they put the dog in the in the bathroom just so it can like have its own space, but he freaked out so much that he tried to eat through the door and he ate so much of the timber that the dog had ended up swallowing it and ended up passing away. So yeah, pretty extreme. So, you know, you want to make sure that you cover all of your Tick all the boxes, sorry, and you start to understand a little bit about the dog before you look after it. And consider if your if your friend or your parents or someone is going to be looking after your dog, make sure that they have the right experience. And on top of all of this, I think a really good bit of advice is, and I'm not like I'm discouraging your friend to look after your dog, especially if the dogs love each other and it's always worked out, but just one thing you should think about is when you do take your dog to a boarding facility or a place where they can um, mind your dog for a duration of time or even a doggy daycare, you know, these people are most of the time are really experienced and they're a good group of staff. Like you want to do your, your homework as well of where your dog stays because there can be some places where there's a lot of inexperienced kennel attendants they aren't even having any they're having contact with the dog but don't know what to look for like things like if you know notice the dog starting to limp or starting to feel a little bit off or you know how to handle them if they're feeling a little bit timid or shy because the first couple of days they can be a little bit stressed out so taking your dog to a, a professional boarding facility can be a really good idea just so you know your dog's safe and is going to come back in in one good piece rather than you know I hear about so many situations where a friend is looking after a dog or someone's looking after a friend's dog and something happens and then they're stuck with this responsibility. The friendship can be, um, 
can can be um disturbed and you know there's just so many other things that could happen with someone who's inexperienced just because someone owns a dog it doesn't really mean that they have the greatest experience so just something else to think about as well so those are a few things to cover for the question so i hope it's answered your question and by all means if you have any questions please as i said in the beginning let me know i'd love to answer your questions and to guide you and if there's any feedback that you'd like to tell me you know would love to hear it and until then have a great day and we'll speak soon thank you (laughs) 